This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From deep inside the pits with a one-day press pass, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. And I'm Lindsay. And today on the podcast, a special remote pit report from Las Vegas. Kyle's working late and Nicole's on vacation. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, Sunday marked the start of the 2021 BattleBots Championship. By the end of this week, the show will crown this year's winner of the Giant Nut. Builders posted non-spoilery photos to social media this week, giving fans a glimpse into what it's like to work from the pits. Free shipping captain Gary Jinn has arguably the coolest pit setup. He set up a free claw machine game that anyone can play. Next to it, a dual flavor slushy machine. Apparently Gary Jinn like lives like my dream freshman dorm room like life. And I respect that. (laughs) <laughs> yes 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 uh we're, 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 we'll, we'll talk about the slushies in a little bit but uh yeah i drank like three or four slushies and um they were delicious so uh highly recommend you know if you're in the pits go uh it's three or four slushies they were delicious chris all right don't judge me it was hot inside that tent all right hot in vegas are you changing colors um <laughs> i'm blushing uh, yeah, so I'm almost as red as the slushies I, I, I was drinking yesterday. I think that's cherry, Luke. Please tell me that you are interviewing builders with like a green tongue. <laughs> all right, here's the thing. I lied earlier because the pits were actually quite quite nice. All right, uh, I was just drinking slushies because uh, I had an unlimited supply. So uh, did I go home and Google price of commercial slushy machine? Yes, I did. All right. Um, will, will it show up at a future family party? Perhaps, Chris. I don't know. Okay. All right. The news is already getting off 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 the rails. Uh, I, I swear I'm going to talk about my pit experience, uh, you know, here in a little bit. Um, also new in the pits this year, the first non-human team member in BattleBots history, an albino red-tailed boa constrictor named Cuddles, which is making its television debut alongside Team Copperhead. If you've fallen in love with Cuddles, she's currently for sale at Pet Planet in Las Vegas. And finally, the team behind Jackpot is well known for its glittery exterior, a theme they'd like to carry over into your glittery interior. The team this year is being sponsored by Brew Glitter, which describes itself as, quote, the largest supplier of edible food-grade glitters and dusts for beer, wine, champagne, and other beverages in the U.S., 
If you are dying to try and get out, you're in luck. The team was giving out little packets of brew glitter, and I managed to snag a package for us to try out when I get home. Whenever I dust my wine with uh, edible glitter, I make sure that I go to brew glitter. Brew glitter. The greatest edible glitter on the planet. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, we'll just keep talking to Luke. This week on the podcast, we have a very special guest reporting live from Las Vegas, Nevada, after uh, attending a taping session and hanging out backstage, we have the one and only Luke Stangle from his hotel room perched above the buffet at his local casino. <laughs> Luke, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing really, really well, Chris. Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, this is it's been so great to have you. We've been meaning to do this for a long time. Uh, but you're just one of those really hard gets. Definitely, yeah. My my schedule is uh, it's very packed, and uh, it's not like I just have many hours in a row of uh, free time. So I'm glad we were able to make the time work, Chris. Luke, you've you've now officially completed uh, my childhood dream of attending a live session of BattleBots uh, and walking around the pits, talking to builders, looking at the robots up close. Uh, so uh, one. Uh, I hate you. Two, <laughs> in three words, I want you to describe what the feeling was like when you kind of walked in there and you really got to see, uh, you know, the the entire experience up close and personal. Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. Expansive, overwhelming, impressive. All right. Those are good. I like um yeah you know the the sense that i got probably like within the first 10 minutes of walking into the pits was that this is the most amazing science fair i've ever been to i love science fairs um i i love going to like engineering kind of exhibitions but typically you know you're one of several thousand people and you know you're standing shoulder to shoulder and being jostled by nerds um but like i was basically the only spectator in the pits like somebody who didn't have a job like everybody was busy fixing a robot or running around or there was just so many production crew inside of this tent and i just got to wander around by myself and total unfettered access got to talk to anybody i wanted to got to look inside of any robot i wanted to and learned a ton and i just felt like it was a hugely educational experience um and like unforgettable and something that I'm going to cherish for, for the rest of my life. So this is, this is really interesting. I, obviously um, all of this uh, excitement uh, kind of built up, uh, you, you touched down in Vegas and uh, you know, uh, Lindsay and, and I, and even Jackie, we're kind of hanging out at our house um, eating uh, seafood chowder. And we are all uh, convinced that you are dead uh, <laughs> because we have not heard from you in about 16 hours yeah. Uh, and I guess it was just that, um, you know, you really hit the ground running there. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what, all right. Pro tip. Okay. I travel a fair amount and uh, pro tip when you land after a long flight. Okay. By the way. All right. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to back up one, one step. So uh, I flew in Denver and then went from Denver to Las Vegas and the flight into Vegas it's just like a giant raucous party, right? Like everybody is is happy. Everybody is just 
like their pockets are filled with money, like they are ready to party. Just like the weekend has just unlimited promise. People are being duct taped to seats. <laughs> well, yes. So I flew on Frontier, and I'm not kidding, um, Chris. My flight from the East Coast to Nevada, five thousand miles, was thirty six dollars. All right. <laughs> so, um, so my flight from Denver into Las Vegas. The guy sitting literally right behind me. I'm talking about we're I, I'm in the aisle. He's in the aisle. Once one row behind me. Okay, seat 16D. I'm in seat 15D. He starts arguing with the flight attendant before we take off. All right. Oh no. And he argues with her for like an hour and a half. And as we are deplaning, they go. All right, folks, I know you're ready to get out there and start partying in Vegas, but please hold and sit in your seats. And uh, they arrested this guy, Chris. No I can't believe it. I've never, I've never seen that before on a flight ever. And I've been to Vegas. Like, this was, uh, it was incredible. But uh, what was he doing? He was just like shouting a lot. He was like really upset. He was threatening to sue Frontier and then sue this flight attendant because uh, she asked him to stop uh, yelling in the middle of her safety briefing. Okay, <laughs> you know she's she's got the the little the little uh, you know uh, seat belts up in the air and stuff, and he's just just yelling uh, with his friend, you know. Um, and then he just kept yelling for like a, a, another hour and a half. Was he was he just like was he not about like lifting the handle and separating the buckle or like <laughs> if 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 your if your flotation device does not inflate you have to blow into the tube did any of these things upset him Um I don't know maybe he just wasn't a very safety conscious person but um he was he was very blustery for the the hour and a half the second we touched down he calls his fake lawyer and is like I'd like to file a lawsuit right <laughs> You know, that's, I didn't get a last name on Susan, but you know, here's my here's my flight number and everything. And uh, the second the uh, cops came on on the plane, they, they he just folded like a like a wet paper napkin. All right. So okay, so so here's my pro tip. All right, uh, I've traveled a fair amount, so um, you know, you get off the plane, you're all dehydrated and feel kind of gross. So uh, go straight to the nearest ramen shop and get an amazing ramen and you in like 10 minutes you'll you're you're like it's like you know pouring water on a on a flower you know you just come right back to life so uh so yeah so last night i sent uh, sent a photo of uh this takeout ramen that i was eating on a shipping dock uh in <laughs> yeah, like out in the outskirts of vegas and uh, apparently that uh that frightened my family so that's not great I think, I don't know, something was lost in translation between uh, you and my sister Jacqueline because when I asked her how things were going, she just said that you were eating ramen in an alleyway, but she hadn't heard you for, for heard from you for four hours. So we all assumed that you either drowned in a bowl of ramen or someone tried to mug you to take that ramen. Yeah. Yeah, she did specifically say an alleyway, and I feel like that was the the key area of concern. What is she doing eating ramen in an alleyway? <laughs> all right, all right. Here's the thing, okay? I was doing it for safety, okay? Because I, I didn't want to catch COVID inside of the restaurant. So, you know, I ate in this alleyway behind the restaurant on a shipping dock. It's pretty normal. Have you never heard of Batman? Bad things happen in alleyways. <laughs> 
It was it was a pretty sketchy alleyway, but uh, the ramen, oh, ooh, amazing. Oh, so good, right? Um, I'm actually going to get the same ramen tonight, uh, so. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to attempt fate. Maybe I'll get stabbed tonight. Who knows, you know? Well, you got two chopsticks to defend yourself. So, uh, so I wake up very early the next morning, so excited to go to the pits. I drive over to the tents, get checked in, and... Um, it's off to the races. So what are you curious about? I'll try and tell you as much as I can without breaking my rock-solid NDA with Greg and Trey. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I, I know that there is a secret underground um, uh, economy of, of, of team swag. So I'd imagine that you got your hands on some, some pretty delectable treats there. Uh, yeah. The, so, okay. So when you walk into the pit area... It's massive. It's like, it feels like a football field and a half. Like, it's really huge. And the ceiling is just like 100, 200 feet tall. Like, it's massive, right? And they've got these these uh, huge pit areas. Like, every single team has these amazingly large U-shaped pit areas. And you can walk down these lanes and um, just pick up swag, like, left and right um so uh the first the first person i saw was evan arias and pain train and he was very excited to kit me out completely head to toe so like hat shirt um patches everything Dang. yeah i was pretty happy about that um and then yeah like kind of walked around and then over the course of the next 12 hours like really picked up a lot of stickers and a couple of custom poker chips from uh, most of the teams, yeah. All right, and I and I know that you mentioned um, that Gary Jin has a uh, like a really legit uh, setup, but were there any other team setups that were just like this is mind blowing? You know, it's kind of funny. It's like you know how when you're at Norwalk Havoc or you're at a local event like Motorama, you can tell from the pit area how many years the builders have been doing this sport, right? Like, you'll walk past a rookie area and everything is, like, metaphorically on fire. Like, there are tools everywhere. There's, like, a broken cardboard box on the ground. People are just walking on top of total, like, just safety, safety violation, you know. Um, And then you walk past, like, Hypershock and they have, like, ferns. Like, they've put out, they've brought ferns, Chris, all right? (laughs) Like, they have a tropical theme. Everybody is just chill, like they have their their neon sign up in the the pits. Um, they've got all of their swag like out on the table, just for you to like pick up if you want. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like Hypershock was incredible. Very close to Hypershock was Witch Doctor, and um, Witch Doctor's pit area looked immaculate. Um, yeah, and then there were like others that were just really cool to see, like just very functional like um you walk into tombstone's pit area and it's like ray billings is here to fight like Mm. it's like very sparse spartan clean and the you know like (laughs) the robot has its own robot you know like the robot can can tilt tombstone and like bring it up into the air so like tombstone's at an angle and they're just the pit crews working very calmly but efficiently on the robot. Not a lot of frills um, over at Hardcore Robotics. Um, but oh, oh my God! Right next to Tombstone, I almost forgot Scorpios. 
the most incredible pit area. Oh yeah. Yeah, like they they just had the they had like this massive movie poster like out front. Um, they had like all of their team jackets like on a on a, on a coat like a rolling coat rack. Um, all of their swag was out. They had like a box for other people to drop off their stickers um, just in case the team wasn't there. Um, it was beautiful. So yeah. But I mean, like these, these are all like the, the most, the most experienced builders, you know, so you kind of expect it. Right. So you're, so you're back there. Um, there is a, a day of fights happening. You're backstage. Uh, we only generally get a very brief snapshot of, of what this scramble is like to get a bot ready to get out there and, and hammer away at another bot. Uh, but tell us like what the firsthand experience is like. Uh, like following a team and and seeing them get ready for a fight. Like, tell me about the scramble. That's the thing that I find most exciting. Yeah. So um, I followed one team. Um, we're good friends with with the builders. We we see them at local events. Um, so I obviously can't tell you what team, but I followed one team as they got ready for their fight. And um, it's it's really interesting because there's all of these different staging areas. So you have the football field sized main tent, and that's where all of the like toolboxes are. That's where everybody's couches are. Mm-hmm. That's where they feed the entire production and all the builders. It's huge, right? Um, but because of safety, uh, you can't charge any batteries inside of there you can't bring batteries into the the big tent because if there was a lipo fire you know it would burn down the entire tent right um but it's it feels like very like this this is like our permanent home is our home base and so they bring in the robot without the batteries and they're like hammering out the the armor they are like swapping out pieces they're taking a look at like their um speed controllers, their motors. In some cases, I mean, there were teams that between the fights, they literally tear down their motor. Like they take apart the motor, they take a look at everything inside, they put it back together. Like that's how meticulous some of the teams are. Wow. So um, so this team is getting ready for their fight and their fight was the first fight of the 6 p.m. session. So at about five o'clock, they wheeled their robot over into a second smaller tent. So this is like the battery charging tent. And so like if you walk in, it's like maybe half the size of the big pits. But every team has its own table there. So it's almost like a secondary pit area. But they're charging their batteries. And that's where they kind of insert the batteries into the robot they bring the robot over to get it weighed. So like between every fight, they they have to weigh the robot. Um, and then they just kind of hang out in this one area before they're called over to the um, to the arena. So like you push your robot out um, outside. If you want to, there's like these test boxes right next to the battery charging area. Um, and then you you push your robot into the back of the arena, like into the production area. And it's very cool because it's like very dark. The audience can't see you. You're like way far in the corner and they've got all these little like chairs set up and you'll come in. Then like your opponent will come in. There's like a little bit of banter. And I just saw like such intense focus back there. Like the captain or the driver 
like typically has their headphones on. They're like listening to like really angry music. Like um, people are just kind of like psyching themselves up um, <clears throat> when it's time to go. The production crew has like this list. They're like, okay, we're going to mic up this person. We're going to mic up this person because we know like these are the two people who talk on your team, right? And then get ready. You're going to go through the tunnel. Uh, like the music is going. Like they've got this hype man like at BattleBots who's like hyping up the crowd. The crowd goes nuts, right? What's he saying? I don't know. Like it's it like last night he was like doing crowd work like going up into the crowd like hey what's your name oh i'm chad where are you from chad i'm from arizona you know what i mean like i don't know and like they're they're playing like really kind of high energy music like the whole crowd is so amped um i actually have a crowd ticket like i'm gonna go sit in the audience tuesday night so tomorrow night and um so i'm gonna get the kind of fan experience because i i only got to see it from from the production area right um so then the 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 two robots fight, and um, and then uh, as they're getting wheeled out, they get wheeled into this like another area <laughs> where um, they have a safety crew member, and they take out their batteries. The safety crew member inspects the batteries, and once they're cleared, then they can basically do everything in reverse. So they bring the robot back into the battery staging area. They plug in their batteries. Then they bring the robot back into the main pit area so they can work on its body. So um, it's actually pretty pretty involved, very safe. Like it's It just runs like a clock, and... Um, like the hype inside of the building is so real. Like when you look over, you see this world famous builder and you know, he's got his like huge headphones on and just like, looks like he's ready to kill. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty like chilling. Um, like it's, it's, it's really very real, you know? Have, did you see like any bots coming back now that I don't think that this is uh this is necessarily an NDA thing. Did you see like what it, what it's like for a bot to come back from a fight that was maybe uh, tumultuous and this bot uh, needs significant repairs and what it's like to see a team like yeah you know having to to come to terms with that and the work that's that's like ahead of them in the next hours yeah so I, I went to Sunday's taping session I had a one day press pass and there were robots that got eviscerated <laughs> in the top 32. Like, um, I saw robots where you're like, oh, you can't fix that. You got to have another one of those. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, that's not good at all. Like, uh, like main weapon, 85 pound weapon, 75 pound weapon, however, however much it is, right? Like huge weapon cracked in half. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen anything like that before, like at that that weight class. The fights were so good. And um, yeah, there, there were like massive, massive damage. Like the kind of cool thing is, so like um, after your fight, you go out into this like safety tent with the safety person, right? And like, it's very congenial. Like the two teams are like sitting right next to each other, taking out their batteries, but they're also like inspecting the robot for the first time. So like, they're going over, they're like pointing out like, oh, wow, look at, look at how I did that. And look at how you did this and stuff. And, uh, oh, wow, you ripped off my XYZ, right? And um, yeah, in this case, you cracked my main weapon. Like that was wild um, to see. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm hoping that it, 
shows up on TV. Cause like, um, I think like the teams were really surprised to come out and find, Oh wow. My weapon was actually cracked, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, uh, it was, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, a lot of damage. I, I would say. Were you there for a regular, um, taping or was it already like into the round of whatever they're going with this year? Like, were you in the, were you in the semifinals or finals? Oh, yes. I guess, uh, wait, uh, I guess they haven't announced that it's a round of 32. Or I guess uh, Greg did, right? I'm not revealing too much. I think he said that on our show, but I just wanted to cover my bases. (laughs) Yikes. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, Yeah, uh, I was in a round of blah, blah, blah. And... um... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, all, all of the regular season fight night fights had been completed earlier in the week. So Sunday was the first day of um, the championship run. Wow. So the energy in the room must have been like exceptionally, you know, intense and crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You'd walk around and you could tell because half of the teams there were getting ready for their round of 32 fight. So they were like very amped. And the other half were kind of just dejected, I guess. Like, hey, I, I, I was eliminated <laughs> in the fight night rounds. And, um, you know, I'm cleaning up my pit area, basically, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like, I would say like half and half. It was either like, like pretty high or, or kind of low. Probably meant that you could have some longer conversations with some teams who maybe hadn't made it through and hopefully learn some more about mm. what was going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. For for the teams that had been eliminated um, in the fight nights, I was able to have really good kind of longer conversations. If for some reason, if you're a builder and you're listening to this episode um, and I didn't get a chance to come over and really hang out, it was uh, 100% out of respect for like the frantic building that I saw when I walked past your pit. Um, I did get to walk past every single pit probably five or six times. And um, I tried to pick pick moments to drop in and, um, you know, talk to people. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I will say that. I mean, like, um, everyone was super nice. And uh, I had, like, more than one person, like, come over and be, like, so excited to see me, which was really great. And so, like, being able to reconnect with all of these um, friends that I – have seen at other events is really great. There was a really, really strong group of Norwalk Havoc veterans who were there and they all really hung together, stuck, stuck together. And we hung out a lot. I ended up eating um, in the pain train pit area for both lunch and dinner. And um, just that team is amazing. And I love them so much. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, if I, if I had seen them at Norwalk and we had hung out in Norwalk, like, um, they would stop and we had like good five, 10 minute conversations, um, about how the, the tournament was going. So, so Luke, uh, like obviously a big, um, you know, a big transition from a, uh, you know, a warehouse environment in, uh, you know, the Los Angeles area to, uh, a football field size tent in Las Vegas, uh, you know, what, were there any kind of pain points that emerged out of a, out of a new location and, you know, like just the, the, the kind of the growing pains that would be born out of, um, you know, changing a location, changing, 
uh, everything down to uh, the catering and yeah. uh, you know who, who's who's running the uh, the outside operation. So when I talked to builders, they said that they were really excited to be in Vegas because it's like a really cool environment. Um, and they also said that there were some like kind of production hiccups. Um, apparently, um, Jax, Jax Tapaccio, um, who has, you know, been like the kind of production chief for, um, now multiple, multiple seasons of the show was not there at BattleBots this year. Um, unclear why they were saying like it really showed in, in how things ran. We heard last week from Mary Catherine Carr and then other fans that they got this email saying that there was no power on day one. That is true. Um, they lost power on day one. Um, another kind of odd thing and, um, it was uh it was it was like a persistent persistent thing for the 12 hours that I was there. Um so they built the tent on top of a parking lot. So they didn't want to have asphalt right underneath the tent. So they put down these these um medium-sized plastic squares. Um they felt kind of like plastic. I'm pretty sure there was some kind of like plastic, uh maybe TPU or I, I don't know, something, right? plastic plastic like so if you walked on these squares for any distance of time and you touched any object another person a slushy machine uh picking up you know like secretly picking up a a poker chip off somebody's bed table you got a pretty good shock uh <laughs> i saw that on the uh, scorpios uh youtube channel yeah yeah that was crazy a pretty good shock so uh here's the thing um they, uh, you know, the builders are touching motors and ESCs, and I heard that at least two teams had fried an ESC because they walked across this floor without grounding themselves, picked up the ESC, and just, like, fried it. Oh, no. My goodness. Was Will Bills there to sell more of them? <laughs> um, Will Bales had come up with an ingenious solution. So you walk over to Will Bales's pit area and he had bought additional flooring to put on top of the plastic flooring. Yeah, now, really? Yeah, and he had put like grounding strips underneath this flooring. So when you stood on there and that's where they would work on the robots, you had no chance of being shocked, right? Other teams went out and they bought that like metal... Um, tape that you can put down on the ground and as long as you walk on top of the metal tape it'll like ground you other teams they would be wearing these little straps these like anti like you know static electricity straps and so they would like touch the strap before they touched anything so I obviously didn't have a, a strap or anything so like every time that I I went to like give someone a, a you know, a, a, a knuckle tap, hello, or um, touch a table or something, I, I got shocked. Um, and it was like, it's it's persisted. So like even today, now what, 18 hours after I got out of the pits, when I go to like open up my, my hotel door, like I kind of like, I, I touch the door before like I touch the handle. Cause like, I don't know, it's like a Pavlovian response now at this point, you know, but I, I got shocked uh, a fair amount. <laughs> Which is uh, pretty pretty hilarious. Uh, any other uh, any other pain points to report on? The only other one that doesn't break NDA is uh, around the food. So I heard from several builders that apparently. 
They had to fire two caterers earlier in the week, and then they brought back their original caterer, the one who um, cooks for the for the production in Long Beach. I wasn't able to confirm any of this with Greg Munson. I saw him walking past several times, but he looked like a man on a mission. So I wasn't able to stop and ask him about his catering. But um, apparently the catering, the food was so bad earlier in the week that some of the builders got sick um, and uh, they complained so much that they uh, replaced the caterer potentially twice. And uh, the food that I had last night, the catering was excellent. I had like really good barbecue chicken for for lunch and really good kind of like a pork roll for dinner and just amazing, vibrant salads. Um, so I was like really happy with the food. But um, apparently that was that was a pain point from uh, from earlier in the week. Cool. Well, I mean, this sounds I like. I can't wait to go next year, and 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 then who knows? Maybe there will be like an event between now and and next season. But um, this has been like a really really cool snapshot of everything, and I'm I'm so glad that one of us uh, got to go and 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 see uh, firsthand and 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 bring it to you know all of our listeners. Yeah, um, I did want to say like I don't know. This is not important for <laughs> I don't know our listeners, but um, the the builders were so generous like with their time they were really gracious um i had really amazing conversations i learned a ton and um, i learned a lot more about the kind of behind the scenes stuff that happens in the run-up to the show the show itself is so incredibly impressive when you walk into the big arena um, and you see the production area it is like a well-oiled machine um, everybody knows their job. Everybody has a very specific job. Like it runs really, really well. It was, it was like honestly seeing like a game show or something, you know, how, how they produce it. Um, yeah. And the, the pits themselves were amazing. And like one of the cool things was like this year there were pit, pit tours. So people were able to get a little glimpse of it. Like they were able to see one tiny corner of the pit area. And like these PAs were like, pretty much rushing people out, but the builders like really stopped, dropped everything, came over to the fans and like signed stuff and gave them um, stickers and poker chips and signed their t-shirts. Um, in, in one example, uh, somebody had built this amazing replica of a battle bot. I would tell you which one, but it's not confirmed yet <laughs> publicly. And, um, the builder came over and signed this guy's hat and the fan looked like he was about to cry. Like, um, he was just so happy to be there and like amazed that, that this builder, this very popular robot had come over and said hello and, um, uh, and it signed, signed, signed his hat. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool experience. Um, and I am really grateful that I was able to experience it and I hope that I can uh, do it again next year. So we've had a lot of, uh, great fortune to be able to meet builders, you know, primarily on the East coast, either at Norwich Havoc or at Robot Ruckus and, uh, and Orlando. Um, but I, this is like, uh, the first time that, you know, any of us were really able to meet a lot of those other teams who don't make it out regularly to those events. Are there any teams that you were like really excited to meet that you hadn't been able to meet before? I feel like between Motorama and Robot Ruckus, like we've met probably 80% of the builders in person. There were a couple who 
uh, I met for the first time. Like I met Dustin Eswine from Deep Six for the first time. Um, and that was really cool. No, no, we met him in Orlando. Did we? Yeah. At least uh, Andrew was there. I thought Dustin was Dustin there. Dustin was there. He was a nice guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong there. Um, I don't know. Like, like, I mean the, the, the big, like kind of person who I was really, really looking forward to meeting, um, or people were Zach and Diana, um, from Scorpios and they were, uh, so, so like kind, um, and, um, you know, like, uh, their pit area was amazing, um, super generous. And, um, it was just such a delight to, to meet them. Um, the Vasquez's, you know, uh, from Whiplash and Defender. They're called Vasquez. Sorry, the Vasquez. <laughs> the Vasquez were also super cool. Um, it was it was neat because it's like you could tell you, you could really see the split between like the veteran builders and the rookie builders. Rookie builders literally running in the pits, like frantic, hair on fire, and these like veteran builders really well connected. Um, just kind of like, like very calmly, like strolling, like they are having like the best week of their lives, like really catching up with all of their friends and um, stopping to talk to me, you know, which was also pretty, pretty cool. Very, very cool. Uh, any, any final thoughts, Luke? Um, maybe I'll share them with you privately. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I feel like I learned more about this season. Um and some of the behind the scenes stuff that just like the teams can't talk about publicly, but it was all really very interesting. And, um, I think, I think like, uh, there, there may be changes on the horizon. I don't know. I feel like every year they say that. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe this is the year where, cause I mean like with Vegas, the new venue, like, um, potentially a permanent home, you know, in Vegas, I think that changes some things. So, um, yeah, I will, I will, I'll, I'll tell you all the, uh, all that, all that stuff after we stop recording. So there you go. You're still not going to break your NDA. So don't worry. Anyone who is listening <laughs> that may be concerned about that yeah. kind of thing. If you break your NDA, uh, Greg's going to break your LEGS. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's, here's the thing, right? Like, um, I realized yesterday that I actually don't care about the fights as much as I think other people do. Like I really see BattleBots, like at least my current self this year, 2021 Luke, what just walked around and was just so amazed by the engineering. And like, it's really cool that we can test the engineering by, by fighting two robots, but like, you know, one robot winning versus one robot losing. Like, I don't care, like, what the seating is and all that other stuff. Like, it was just really, really amazing to meet the builders and, and see the bots. Um, and so, like, for, for that reason, like, being in the pits was just absolutely incredible. So, A+, plus, 100%. Um, very, very cool experience. Luke, it's been so, so great to have you on this podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, we will cherish this moment. We really look forward to uh, to having you on again sometime. Um, uh, you know, just just uh, travel safe and uh, and make it back here. And um, we look forward to to hearing more stories. We hope to see you in the battle box again soon. <laughs> I'll check. Uh, I'll check my schedule. Yeah, maybe we could make that happen. Yeah. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. 
Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Cambridge, Massachusetts, where a group of researchers at Harvard have built a robot that mimics the explosive attack of the tiny mantis shrimp. Mantis shrimp are famous in the animal kingdom for having the world's fastest punch, second only to me. The researchers (laughs) are very fast. The researchers built a one and a half gram robot that features a punching arm capable of striking an object at 26 meters per second, or roughly the equivalent of a car reaching 58 miles per hour in just four milliseconds. So something to keep in mind when you're maybe developing a new type of weapon at BattleBots. I don't know. I wonder how it scales up from one and a half grams to 250 pounds. <laughs> Could be something good for Tantrum to investigate. I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Good thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, the mantis shrimp robot. I don't think it's as delicious as a mantis shrimp, though. You know, a lot of plastic, I think. Well, is there a seafood buffet there that's serving mantis shrimp, Luke? Uh, it's Las Vegas. Like, you can get anything here. Well, I, I don't want you um, I don't want you having a shellfish allergy like I know you do because I know when you do eat shrimp it hits you real quick. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, thanks. Chris. It really packs a punch, Luke. <laughs> Especially if it's hot poke. Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. I don't know if this one was much of a mystery, but. He is an international man of mystery. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.